Hallelujah. Listen, I believe that. I believe that God's people, we, we're blessed. Amen. You're blessed. We're, ble we're a blessed generation. Not only that, because this is a generation that's going to see the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. We've been talking about it for hundreds of years. Well, not us, but people. Hundreds of years. It's been talked about. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I don't criticize anybody for looking for it way back then saying it's going to happen. Because I believe the expectancy should be in our heart. That God's going to, but now as we see things unfolding and we see the end time unfolding before us, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt the coming of the Lord does draw nigh. On the rapture or the coming of the Lord, the end times, I call it. And uh, this morning I, I want to deal with a topic that actually raptures in the Bible. Our rapture is not the only one that's in there. But I want, to, I, I want to show this because we need to understand God is supernatural. And when God does something and he does it the way he wants it, we're going to see a fulfillment of the word of God, the promises of God that we have quoted for years. And, there's, and, and I'll keep on quoting. I mean, if the Lord tarried another 50 years, I keep on quoting because it's still the truth. It's the word of the Lord. I don't believe we have another 50 years, by the way. I really don't. But I tell you what, whatever time it is, we're going to shout for God. And we're going to do God's work. But I want to just share some things this morning on these different raptures. Because we need to understand, we've heard it ever since we were little. Every one of us in here have heard the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church. We've heard that. It wasn't a lie. Amen. It wasn't a lie. But it, it just wasn't God's time. How many understand that? It just wasn't the timing of God. God has his perfect timing. Now, whatever time it is, if it's this afternoon, I'm ready. If it's if it's in 30 minutes, I'm ready. I think you'd be excited to be up here preaching and just zip and get out of here just like that. Of course, none of you would be sitting there because you'd be going with me, Right? And if you are sitting there, we'll pray for you as we leave. Amen. But God is still for us. But the rapture is an important facet of our faith. But we need to understand that God can do it. Now let's look, let's, let's look at the scripture in 1 Thessalonians 4. Paul's writing 13 through 18. And look what he says. I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. One preacher was preaching one time. He said, I would not have you ignorant brethren. But he left off a word in there. But he would, Paul said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those things that, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Now listen, I want to tell you something. Believers have hope. And when a loved one goes on to be with the Lord that is born again and a child of God, we have hope. We, we need to rejoice in the fact they're in the presence of the Lord. And praise God. But he said, we're not ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep. 
lest we sorrow as others who have no hope. Now, we sorrow because we miss our loved ones. Amen. How many understand what I'm saying this morning? There's nothing wrong with missing and, 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 and sorrowing in that sense. But don't let the sorrow get so deep-rooted that you never exit from that state of deep sorrow. And the joy of the Lord can be your strength. God's joy and peace is part of his attributes that he wants in our life. But he said, concerning those, lest you sorrow. For if we believe, how many believes? If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means perceive those who are asleep. In other words, those that went on to be with the Lord throughout these hundreds of years and even throughout the last 15 years, five years, even last year. You know, we don't, we're not going to sorrow because we understand uh, that the Lord, that we, uh, the, the, we, we, we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord by no means perceive those who are asleep. In other words, those that's already gone on, they're going to be the first ones up. Dead in Christ is going to rise first. Amen? That's what the Bible says. Dead in Christ is going to rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain. Because look what he said. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. We need to understand God has given us some comforting promises today. And those comforting promises are that we will be taken just like God said. Amen. It's going to happen. I know there's some people say, well, I've heard that all my life, Brother God. I've had people come up to me, you know, and not here, but other places and around. I've heard that all my life. And listen, there's a lot of backslidden sons and daughters and nephews and nieces and, and family members that are backslidden today because they have just given up hope. I've heard it all my life, but it hadn't happened. But you know what? Don't worry about it. One day, it will happen. It will happen. Jesus was prophesied for 2,000 years before it happened. Amen. The birth of Jesus. It started from the very beginning. After, after Adam and Eve fell and the Lord told the devil, he said, the, the seed of the woman, the heel of the seed of the woman is going to bruise your head. And what was he talking about? The seed of the woman. That seed of the woman was going to be Jesus Christ coming into this earth as a human being to suffer and to be the sacrifice and to de defeat the devil at the cross. Praise God. And thank God for the victory that is ours in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Scripture tells us that God declares the end from the beginning. I believe that. Did you know God knows exactly the end, the beginning, and the end of our lives here today? Every step has already been measured by God. Every outcome is already known by God. God knows every detail of our life and everything. And God's got a very clear vision of what tomorrow looks like and what next week looks like, and what next year looks like, and so forth. God knows. Listen, if we've got 50 more years here, God knows it all. 
Personally, I don't believe we got 50 more years. But nevertheless, if it be, if it's so, you know, God, God is the architect of this thing. Only God has the last say-so. Only God has the last say-so in anybody's departure from this earth. I don't want people hovering around me when it, if, if I live to a point to where I'm 120 years old, you know, and uh, I don't want people hovering around me. Well, it's about time that old codger goes home, you know. No, I hope that's not the way people feel. But you know what? I don't want them rushing it either, Doris. <laughs> but at the same time, we need to understand that if we depart from this life, we're in the presence of God. Amen. So we're there. But listen, he wants us to know where we're headed and what he's planned for us. Look at Isaiah 46, verse 8 through 10. Remember this and show yourselves men and recall the mind, O, o ye transgressors, and remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. That's from God in Isaiah 46, verses 8 and 10. God says he's going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. And that we need, listen, we need to understand the devil does not have the last say-so. If the when the Antichrist comes in into this system, and the it's because God gave him permission to do it. It's because God said now's the time. But also God knows that when that happens, that the Antichrist has only got a short period of time, because God's already got it mapped out, planned out, strategized, everything's ready, and the devil's already defeated in Jesus' name. Amen. But we're going to see the demise of it. But the rapture is a very controversial view in the Bible. There's a lot of theories on the rapture. And you've probably been to several churches that have different ideas on the rapture. And I'm going to try to stay. Uh, I'm going to do my best to stay with the scripture. And the chronological order that God put it in the word is what I see. But don't, don't get mad at me because I'm still human. And you know what I've had to do before? I've had to back up on things I preach, not necessarily on the rapture, but on the coming of the Lord. But think, I've had to back up and say, hey, I was wrong. I was wrong. And thank God, you know, we, we need to come to the place where we can acknowledge we were wrong. But listen, don't get mad at somebody because, you know, I've, I've seen people get mad and they get in a controversial issue over when the coming of the Lord is and all this, you know, and, and they get mad at one another. Oh, oh, he don't even... Some people can hear me preach and say, I don't believe in the rapture. I do believe in the rapture. That's what we're talking about this morning. Amen. And the rapture is true. And But uh, there's a lot of discussion. Is the second coming of the Christ of, uh, uh, is, is the second coming of Christ that, that the scripture speaks of? It does. The scripture declares what we're experiencing and going to experience. And Paul takes great effort to educate the Thessalonians. You know, the church at Thessalonica had a lot of questions about the end time and about the coming of the Lord. And Paul took a lot of time concerning these matters. In the same chapter, Paul speaks of the resurrection of those who have died in Christ. 
See, those who have died in Christ, we all know people who have died in Christ. I mean, every believer that's died from the very, from, from the, or even from the church age when it started on the day of Pentecost, people that have died, those who have died in Christ, and we know what the word says on that, and uh, Paul speaks of this, and indicated that immediately prior to the rapture of the living Christians or the living believers, and prior to that, the believers who have died during the New Testament period and afterward would be resurrected. Hallelujah. This ground ain't going to be able to hold them. The soul of man, I don't know how God's going to do it. The spirit of man, when, when people leave, that spirit leaves. That, that The soul, the, the spirit, man, it's just the shell there. It's just the body. It's just the body. But the spirit is in the presence of God. The soul is in the presence of God. But somehow or other, God's going to bring it back. And they're going to meet, and there's a resurrection going to take place. Praise God. But listen, we have conviction in our heart today that Jesus is Lord. And listen, he's not going to leave us in the lurch down in this earth. Hallelujah. Uh, God's going to keep his word. And did you know, if you, if you, if you stay here long enough to die in, in this earth of age, and etc., that, that's still fine. You know, Jesus is coming soon, though. Praise God. He's still coming soon. But you know what? I don't know. I've got such an urgency in me that I believe every one of us sitting here today may just experience the rapture of the church. I do believe that. That we all sitting here today could experience that together. And we just, that's the most important thing. But the word rapture. Now, you know, the word rapture does not occur really in the Bible at all. Did you know that? You can't see the word rapture in the Bible. It's not there. But the word rapture literally means this. The English word rapture is derived from a Latin verb, rapier, meaning to carry off or to catch up. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17. You know, it talks about being caught up, snatched out of here, taken up. And that literally means to take away by force. I tell you, when the rapture takes place, there's nobody going to hold it down. There, there's no modern weapons that can be quick enough to get us. We're going to, just like that. And we're going to be in the presence of the Lord. Strong's Concordance, uh, in studying this, the Greek word harpazo, uh, it's actually pronounced harpazo, it's used, it's used 13 times. And in John 6, 15, it says, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force. That's the same word there, the Greek word, by force. They were going to take him by force to make him king. He departed again to the mountain by himself alone. So when, when the rapture takes place, it's going to be a, a great force. Have you ever been in a... I, I never get been right in the middle of a whirlwind, but I've seen those whirlwinds come up, you know, out there. And boy, they just... And, and, I mean, there's debris and stuff that gets caught right up in it. I, some people have said, I have never seen it myself personally, but some people said they was out there in, in the fields, you know, and they could see little animals just in that little whirlwind just zipped up. Well, that's by force. I don't know how God's going to do it all, but thank God it's going to happen. But I want to talk about the raptures in the Bible. Listen, we need to understand the Lord, 
He didn't just reach out one day and pull out something here and say, okay, this is what I want you to talk about today, Paul. Got to catch your way to the church or the rapture. No, these are things that are doctrinal truths that God put in the apostles to teach the body of Christ and to teach the early church and pass it on down to us. Thank God for the word that's been passed down through the ages, the epistles. And this Bible, listen, it's, it's, the words in this Bible are stronger than any heathen Bible that's out there. It's, it's, it, it, it's, it, it's stronger in, 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 in the truths than any other religion. The Bible is still the most popular Bible. Did you know Hitler tried to burn all the Bibles? Anything holy? He tried, to, he tried to just eliminate it all. You can't eliminate it. You can burn this piece of book and paper here, but you can't burn the Word. The Word is forever settled in our hearts. And there will always be somebody that has read the Word that can speak that Word of God and that Word of God and the truths of God. And so it's always going to be here. But there are seven raptures in the Bible that I want to just talk about real quickly. And uh, Titus 2... 13 calls it the blessed hope. How many glad you got that blessed hope? We're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking. How many looking for it? I'll tell you what, we need to start going to bed at night looking for it. Now, people that's not right with God, they're not going to be too happy going to bed looking for that. There's some people go to bed to Listen, people that's heard the word and heard the scriptures, they go to bed at night saying, Lord Jesus, I hope you don't come tonight because I'm not ready. Well, you know what? Get ready. What are you going to do? Wait till the last minute? I don't think you're going to be able to do it at the last minute. I mean, it's going to happen so quickly that we need to go ahead and serve God now with everything within us. 100%, not halfway. Can you say amen? But that we have that blessed hope. And as we search the scriptures, we'll find that the catching away of the church it's far more than just an escape. It's not an escape thing that God has for us. No, it's just the thing that he's going to show the world. These are my kids, and we're going to, we're going to heaven, the place I prepared for them. It's real. There's a, listen, there's a real heaven and there's a real hell. And we need to understand that more than anything. But we need to understand. But there, there were seven raptures as we begin to look. And look at Genesis 4, 25 through 26. Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God said, she, he, uh, she hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. Remember Cain and Abel, sons of Adam and Eve? Cain slew Abel because his sacrifice had been accepted by God, and he was jealous of it. And, but then, uh, and then to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos, or Enoch, and then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, I want to talk about seven different raptures so we can understand the one we're going to be part of. But the reason I'm going to share this is to show that it can happen and it will happen. The devil can't stop the power of God. The devil cannot stop the anointing of God. 
The devil cannot stop the move of God. Anybody that wants to move of God is going to get a move of God. I tell you what, I've seen people, you know, in dead churches. I mean, now listen, there's some dead churches. I don't want to be a dead church. I don't want to be part of a dead church. Listen, we need to understand God is life. Jesus is life. And we, we need, I, I don't want to just come and just go through a tradition, turn page 339 now. Shall we gather at the river? That's kind of like one preacher was preaching one day and he said, we, I, I'm going to preach a message today where you need to get all the all the wine and all the beer and all the whiskey and go down and just throw it in the river. He said, would you please come and just close us out with a song, song leader. The song leader said, turn to page 333. Shall we gather at the river? <laughs> That's supposed to be funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. But listen, we need to understand that God is doing something here. Enoch was translated. Now look at Genesis 4 verse 17. Cain knew his wife and conceived and bore Enoch and he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And Jared lived 162 years and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. And Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. Remember Methuselah was the oldest living individual in, the, in, in history. Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God. Now look, there's the key. Enoch walked with God after he begat, begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not because God took him. What will happen to Enoch? He was raptured. He didn't die. He was taken up. By the Lord. The first the translation. And he didn't see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. God took him. And he was not uh, found. His body wasn't. He was taken. Uh, he had this testimony before he was taken that he pleased God. And Paul's talking about this. And by faith. It is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God wants faith operating in our hearts and lives and believe what God says. Now, this observation here is supported by the simple fact that Jude's epistle, the book of Jude, the Jude's a very short chapter. If you're, if you're trying to read the whole Bible, read Jude first. That way you can say, I read the whole book today. It's just a few scriptures. But Jude... In Jude, it said Enoch in 14 and 15. Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints, and to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them that are all are ungodly, uh, deeds which they have ungodly committed, and, and of all their hard speeches which, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. But look what it said. The Lord comes with ten thousands of of his saints. <laughs> Enoch prophesied that. Enoch prophesied that very word. So, this is about 5,300 years ago. Enoch looked 
toward the sea or toward the day of the Lord's judgment, just as we do. We look, how many looks forward to the day of the coming of the Lord? Do you? Do you get up in the morning and say, is this the day? <laughs> Are we prepared? Are we ready? But look at Revelation 19. He said he coming, he, he's coming with the armies of heaven. The armies of heaven are going to come. In that end time, the armies of heaven are going to show up. And so Enoch, prior to the judgments of his own era, just as will be taken out before the future judgment, mentioned in Enoch's own prophecy. Now listen, let me just share this with you just briefly. Just, I'm just going to throw this out there. Because we need to understand this. God didn't say you would be delivered from persecution. If that would be so, then he'd have to apologize to all the Christians in the early church. Amen? God didn't say we would be delivered from persecution. Listen, I want to tell you something. There's preaching out there that's saying the church is going to get out of here before persecution hits. Not necessarily so. The church is being persecuted right now in countries that are atheistic and ungodly and, and, and dictatorships and all that. They're being, the China, the church in China, it, they're upping their persecution on the church in China again. Church in China has been a hidden church, house churches. They had to hide to worship the Lord. Remember, the early church had to do that in the book of Acts. They had to do the very same thing. But they were persecuted. Remember when Jesus was getting ready to ascend back to heaven? And after he resurrected from the dead and he was telling the disciples, and they said, oh, is this the time the kingdom is going to be restored? And the Lord said, no. He said, you're going to be arrested. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be brought before the magistrates and the judges. It's going to be, you're going to be cruelly treated for my name's sake. This is what Jesus told him. I want to tell you something. Who, you know, and I'm not trying to, you know, criticize. But you see, the thing is this. Some people are trying to make it, we're trying to soft soap this thing, you know, so that we don't, oh, we're the United States of America. We're not going to have any problems here. Bullcorn. Amen? America is part of the world. The whole world is going to come under the persecution. Somebody says, well, the church ain't going to have it. The church has been persecuted from the beginning. I'm not, I, I'm not saying God's not going to... I don't know when the Lord's going to get us out of here, but God has His timetable. But before that, we need to just stand strong because it's not going to get any easier is what I'm saying. The United States of America is not even mentioned in Bible prophecy in the end time. Did you ever know that? It's not even mentioned. What's going to happen? Well, there's several scenarios. We could be just blown off the map. I don't know. Or we could just become part of that one world conglomeration where the United States of America doesn't exist. We're underneath a different name. Because all of these things are happening and developing right now. The United Nations that got started, 
all the nations were to come together, and each nation be sovereign, but yet come together in unity. But now then, this is the talk of the United Nations. They want to appoint one man over every nation of this earth in the United Nations. What does that sound like? Sounds like a dictator? Sounds like an antichrist to me. It sounds like we're coming towards the end of time. And we need to understand America is not favored. Listen, the United States of America, the prophecies of the Bible do not depend on America. It's all about Israel. Israel is the key to Bible prophecy. Israel is the one that God is going to restore. I'm talking about in this end time. We're going to see some things take place. But that's why we want to bless Israel. That's why we want to pray for Israel. That's why we want to be part of that and do that. And as long as America has done that, we've been blessed. But when we back off and get leaders there that don't like Israel, listen, our administration today, and I'll say it boldly, they do not like Israel. They despise Israel. They don't want anything good for Israel. It'd be all right with them, I mean, to leave millions of dollars worth of equipment over there in a country that's going to attack Israel. Hey, do you think that that's not unusual? To me, it's kind of uh, bold on their part. But the raptures. Now, let's go. I got hurt. <laughs> the second rapture is Moses. Did you know Moses was raptured? Did you know Moses was 100? He was 40 years old when he left Egypt. And then he delivered the children of Israel. They wandered for 40 years. Remember that? He was 80. And then some of them doubted God. And they brought back evidence of the fruit there. They said, we can't go up and take this country. Look here, they're bigger than we are. But Joshua and Caleb said, oh no, we can do it. And what did God do? They wandered 40 more years in the wilderness, and that generation that did not believe God died off in the wilderness. But the new generation came up. Joshua and Caleb now were 80 years old. And they said, we are more than able to go in and take the country. Hallelujah. But Moses was leading them. He was 120. Now, there's no really, there's, there's no record of Moses' death. But God did tell him to go up to this mountain. <laughs> Just lay down. Now, Moses had to have been raptured or taken, body and all, because didn't Jesus, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he called the disciples to go up there with him, Peter, James, and John, all of them were up there with him, and here they, Moses appeared, Elijah appeared, Jesus appeared, he was there, Elijah, Moses, here they were. If, if he wasn't raptured, how could he, you know, God took him. I don't know where he went. God told him just to go over and lay behind a rock somewhere, you know. 
And something happened because the Bible said that the devil wrestled the angel over his body. The devil wrestled over Moses' body. Now, what it was, his body, I don't know. He just laid down and went to sleep. I don't know know what the deal was. But the thing is, he was raptured. God took him. Moses was taken out of here by the grace of God. Amen? Now, let's let's go on down. Uh, Look at Deuteronomy 34, verses 5 and 8. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, he died there in the land of Moab. Now, as far as dying, he, he died, but his body was never buried. His body was taken. And he died according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him, uh, they buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Bethel, but no man knows the sepulcher to this day. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, for his natural force abated, and the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days, and the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were over. But listen, we need to also understand that over in uh, uh, Jude, I want you to ch- go, we'll go over to Jude a minute, verse, uh, verses 8 and 10. It said, Likewise, all these, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. Let's see. And speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil. Th- now this is talking about when Moses was supposed to win away. Michael the archangel was contending with the devil over what? The body. He disputed about the body of Moses and does not bring against him a, a rallying accusation, but said, The Lord rebukes thee. The Lord rebuked thee. The body of Moses was important, but they didn't get the body. The devil didn't get the body. Because the angel said, The Lord rebuked thee. The, listen, <laughs> but those, those, these speak evil of those things that say, No, not, but they. Uh, what they know naturally as brute beast and those things they corrupt themselves. But what we're seeing here is there is a catching away of believers. Amen. Moses. There was another. It was a, a, a rapture. Look at. Uh, uh, there's a third rapture I want to talk about. Elijah. Elijah. He didn't see death. Huh? Now you, you can share this with people. They say, well, you believe in the rapture. You believe in the catching away of the church. I sure do. I sure do. Now, I don't know. I mean, there's some people that's going to give their lives for the kingdom of God. There's some people that will be killed for the kingdom of God before the coming of the Lord or before the rapture. But you see, the thing is, regardless whether we live or die, we're going to go be with the Lord. And that's the important thing that God wants to see. But Elijah, I'm just showing you this, that, that you can give these two examples to people. Yeah, there was a rapture. Elijah. The Lord brought Elijah. Uh, in, he was in the middle of moral depravity and sin and all of this that was there. And, uh, and, and, and look what happened in 1 Kings 7 and 1. Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, then shall not be due nor rain these years, but according to my word. See, he was the one involved in that, uh, the, the famine that came, that drought that came. God told him to prophesy it and speak it. 
And he did, and that's when Jezebel got mad. You know, remember Jezebel? Boy, she got mad that Elijah ran for his life because she said, I'm going to have him. I'm going to have his head on my platter. <laughs> you know, go get him. So Moses fled. He ended up on the top of a mountain, got in a cleft of a rock there, and he was just a boo-hoo in and a crying. And the Lord said, get up. There's 7,000 that had bowed their knee to Baal. I want you to get over there because I got you a, a, a young man over there that's going to follow you, and he's going to take your place when I take you home. Amen. So Moses, he, he, he did exactly what God told him to do. But Elisha was also there, who was of the inhabitants, in 1 Kings 17 1, of Gilead. He said, And they even as the Lord God of Israel is, before him was dead, there shall be not dew nor rain. Elijah said that. And then he found Elisha. And Elisha began to follow him. And Elisha, uh, he, 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 he was a, uh, Elijah was his mentor. This is good to have somebody that you can depend on to kind of, if you haven't been in the way long enough, to help lead you and guide you. I, I believe that. Did you know that's why God places? He said, I gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. For what? For the perfecting of the saints. So we need somebody in our life that can mentor us. We Listen, somebody says, well, I don't need a pastor. Yes, you do. You do need a pastor. You need a shepherd. Amen. Now, there's a lot of false shepherds. There's a lot of false pastors. There's a lot of backslidden pastors. But you know what? There's still some true pastors. And God wants us to understand that his word is still going to be fulfilled. And God's still going to use men and women. And Elijah was, you know, just because God was getting ready to take him home didn't mean that there wasn't going to be somebody to take his place. Until the Lord comes, there's always going to be somebody to take our place. God will raise up somebody to take our place. But Elisha was there with him the day the Lord took him up. The whirlwind came down. The chariot and the horses, they came down and took Elijah away. Of course, all the skeptics, all those young false prophets were around there said, Oh, where did he go? Where did he go? And Elisha was standing there. And the mantle fell, and it fell on him, and he got the double portion anointing. Hallelujah. He was able to do everything Elijah, Elijah did, and even more. Amen. I want to tell you something. I believe the church should be in a, a position that when we leave here, if, we, if the Lord tarried, and we left here, and everybody else left here by going up and in the presence of God. But I'm talking about if you, if you lived a long life here on this earth, and you go... But we need to be able to leave a legacy. We need to be able to leave a legacy and be able to leave somebody that's got the same revelation, same word, the same power working through them, and, and let God do some things in their lives. And we should be doing that. Amen? But Elijah was taken up. So where did he go? Hmm? He went up. This chair just whooshed, took him up. I don't know if we're going to have chariots come take us up or we're just going to be going just like that. But I do know one thing, regardless of how it happens, it's not going to matter to me as long as I go. Amen? As long as we're there. But Elijah, that he was raptured out of here also. And, they, and uh, you know, Elijah, you remember Elijah said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he got that mantle that hit him 
And he was able to do twice as many miracles because the power of God and the anointing of God were there. And of course, then we've got the resurrection and the, rap and the rapture of Jesus. You know, Jesus left this earth by going up. Amen. He was born into this earth. Now, he was, well, he was before. He was in the beginning. He was there when all the creation took place. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost were all there at the same time. But you know, he came, he came down, the Son of God came down as a seed in the woman, and he grew up as, as a human fleshly body. But the life of God was in him. It was no man's life that had been put in him. It was the life of God, and it was God that imparted that into Mary. Mary found favor with the Lord. And Joseph, now you have to give Joseph credit. He was engaged to her. And then she had to tell him the secret. The, the Lord told her, you, you tell Joseph what's going on. And she told him what happened. And you know what Joseph said? Well, so be it. I may not understand it all, but so be it. He believed God. He had to be a godly man. He believed God. And I believe that when Jesus was growing up in that household, Joseph was a good example of father to him. And, uh, uh, you know, he learned some things from that man also. But Jesus, he offered himself as a legitimate king of Israel and was rejected. We know the story of the Lord, don't we? He was rejected. Then he arose. He arose from the dead. Praise God. They killed him. But he come out of that grave. And then... He ascended into heaven itself. Just sat there before the disciples and all just descended right up into heaven. And just ascended right up into the clouds into heaven itself. Now that, that was Jesus, his resurrection, and a rapture that took place. Listen, somebody says, well, I don't know if this rapture stuff is true or not. <laughs> well, I, I'm just giving you some ideas here. What the Bible says, God can do it. And he's going to do it again. But look what Paul said. Uh, in 1 Corinthians. He said, But now Christ has risen from the dead, became the first fruits of them that slept. For since man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. But for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. That every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. And... Uh, then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and all power. Now, we're, we're, listen, look at 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like to him, for we shall see him as he is. Revelation Verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 13 says this. Talking about Jesus in the middle of the lampstands was one like the Son of Man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet, and girded across the breast with a golden girdle. So thank God. Listen, I, I'm just showing you some ideas of the rapture. The rapture is real. Catching away of the church is real. It's going to happen. Somebody said, well, I don't know why it's taking so long. Well, I don't either. 
A day with the Lord is a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. Amen? We, we don't understand the timetable of God, but we do know that we're in the end of this timetable. By everything that's in the prophetic utterances of the prophets and, and the New Testament and Revelation itself begins to show us some things that's beginning to happen even in our time. Then there was a rapture of the Old Testament saints. Remember when, when Jesus? Look what it says in Matthew 27, verses 50, 51 through 53. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened. This, this is when Jesus died on the cross. The veil of the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. I'm talking about in the physical, literal temple in the earth. It was rent from the top to the bottom. That, that veil was very thick. You couldn't just rip it like that. But it ripped from the top to the bottom, giving us access to the throne of God through Jesus' death, burial, and then the resurrection of the Lord came forth, and then Jesus ascended right before the disciples and just kind of just started getting out of here and just ascended up. But he gave them some promises before then. But listen, the rapture of the Old Testament saints, they, they came out of the graves. Somebody said, no, explain that. I can't. All we know is Jesus is life. And when that happened, the life of God came back in them, and they come up out of the grave, walking around. Walking around. Hey, can't you see them going over somebody? Hey, remember me? They probably died and had to be resurrected. Listen. God's power is real. Resurrection truth is real. And we need to understand that God's doing it. Now, look at Luke 16, verse 22 and 23. This is just a brief mention here of the, of the concept of Abraham's bosom, that place in Sheol where the righteous awaited the arrival and finished work of the Messiah. See, they, were, they, were, they had died, the old saints had died, and they were just awaiting. But look what it says. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. Somebody said, when they go to hell, they must go immediately. Amen? They must go immediately. You either going to go up or down. Your spirit man I'm talking about. The body may still be here, but the spirit, the spirit, the real life of a person is the spirit in them. And when that spirit lifts and leaves, it's in the presence of God, or it's either going down. I read somewhere one time, several years ago, that they did an experiment in hospitals where people were on their deathbeds. And they did an experiment. And they, the ones that were professing Christians and believers, they had in one spot, and those that were atheistic, didn't believe in God, and some, listen, I've seen people curse God. My uh, mother's cousin, or, or my, it's actually my dad's cousin, uh, 
His wife was a beautiful Christian lady, loved the Lord with all of her heart. But her husband was an atheist. He did not believe in God. He did not believe in God, didn't want nothing to do with God, always mocked my daddy, always mocked everybody that was Christians, you know. He said, it's just foolish and false. He, he died a horrible death, a slow death. I don't know what happened in his body, but things began to happen. They amputated one arm. Then they amputated the next arm. They amputated the one leg. They amputated the other leg. All he had was a torso just about. Yet, in his dying days, in his dying days, he looked at his wife and cursed God and said, I'll see you in hell. And went out just like that. Now that's sad. That's sad. But his wife, she just kept serving the Lord. She's going on to be with the Lord now. She's in the presence of God. She loved God. But you know something? This is the attitude of people. We've, we've got to get prepared because the coming of the Lord draws nigh. The coming of the Lord draws nigh. And it's time that we understand what the Lord is saying. Amen? Heaven is real. Hell is real. The word of God is truth, and the devil's a liar. God's word has always been truth, and his word will always prevail. And then the final, this is the thing here, is the rapture of the church. How many glad we're coming to, we're, we're almost done, we're almost done. Hang on there, no hunger pains yet, right? The rapture of the church is important. Look at what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 2 through 4. Without going into detail, most of us agree that we're living through another such era at the present time as, as the, uh, as, as, as we're, we're witnessing some things happening in this nation and in our world, getting us ready for this. But listen, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now, some people, I've heard some people try to predict the year, the date, and the month. You can't do that. Look what it says. That that day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. They shall not escape. But ye, brethren, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Hallelujah. We're not going to be shocked at the, at the events that's getting ready to take place in this world. We're still here. The church is still present. We're going to see events begin to unfold, and I don't know how long it's going to take. God may do it in a week. He may do it in six months. He may do it in six years. Nobody knows the day nor the hour when the Lord's going to come. 
But the thing is, we just need to understand it's going to happen. The church will be raptured. Hallelujah. That's a promise from the Lord. That's God's word to us. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that they should overtake you as a thief. And we need to understand that uh, God has his timetable. And we're here for such a time as this. Amen? Remember when Esther was placed in that position in, in, in the kingdom there, in the Persian kingdom? And, and, uh, and, and, and she said, well, they're not going to listen to me. But the Lord said, you've been placed here for such a time as this. For such a time as this. We need to understand whatever position we're in. I pray that one of the uh, uh, city council meetings down in Crossroads here last year. And we're going to do it again this year two or three times. I don't know how long, how many times we'll get to do it. The first time I did it, I said, Lord. I want to pray what you want me to pray. <laughs> you know? And this is what God brought to me. And I, I prayed this prayer for that city council and those leaders. And I said, Lord, let, let the revelation come alive in their heart of their purpose and why they were elected to these positions. And I quoted the scripture in Esther, or, or where Esther said that you've been, you, you've, been, you've been appointed for a time such as this. God brought you here for such a time as this. And I, get, I said, you know what? We're not here because we were elected. We're here because you were appointed by God. And every one of us need to understand that, that whatever position we're in, God has his appointed reason and purpose for every one of us. Aren't you glad that God can give us that reason and purpose and know that it's going to happen? Amen. But listen, uh, the, the seventh rapture that, that it shows in the Bible is the rapture of the two witnesses during the tribulation period. <laughs> right in front of everybody's eyes, they're going to be lifted out of here. Amen? Somebody said, well, what, what, are you, what are you bringing forth all of this for? Because we need to understand nothing's impossible with God. And God said something about the catching away of the church. And we need to understand it's going to happen. I'm not going to tell you when it's going to happen because I don't know when it's going to happen. But we know the times and the seasons that we're in. We do know the times and the seasons, but we don't know the day nor the hour when it's going to happen. It's going to happen just like that so quickly that no, nobody's going to have time to repent anyway. Amen? Because God's going to, if we're going to repent, we better listen and see what's going on in this world today and go ahead and get right with God right now and mean it from your heart. Don't do it out of fear. Don't come to God out. They did that during the towers when they were destroyed there. And, two, and, and uh, there and, and all those people were killed. Thousands of people, hundreds of people. And, you know, that, that's not... And people fill the churches because they thought, boy, it's going to happen. We're going to be at war, blah, 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 blah. And they just fill the church. But you know, it wasn't long when the church is emptied again. Because they didn't come to serve God because they loved God. They served God. They were serving God because they feared what was happening. Right. Listen, God don't want you serving him for fear of what's coming on the earth. No. God wants you to serve him because you love him. Right. 
You love him because he loved you so much he gave his only son for us. That's why God wants us to serve him because we love him. And I tell you, people, I've heard people say, I've got to get my kids in church. Boy, the end time's coming. I've got to get them in church. Get them in church ain't going to get them saved. But get them in church will help get them saved. But get them here, they have to make that decision. They get that revelation. They're going to serve the Lord because they love him and what he's done. And when you love God, you can go through anything because God's with you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Amen? Thank God for the raptures. How many glad that God's coming? Amen. And one day it's going to happen. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the trump of God goes sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then, which we, then we who are alive and remain shall be called up to be forever with the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Are y'all still happy? Seven key events, past and future, of raptures. So do I believe in the rapture? You better believe it. I believe in the coming of the Lord. Amen? And I believe it's going to be soon. I was talking to someone the other day, and I said, you know, what would have happened had God come in 1945 and took the church out? You know? But we're here. I'm not saying we shouldn't live with the expectancy it could happen any time. But what I'm saying is, don't get disappointed and just backslide because it didn't happen. But let's just keep looking forward and keep looking up. Jesus is coming soon. Amen? I said, Jesus is coming soon. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, that we can understand that your word is true. And we thank you that you showed us in the Bible the raptures that have taken place. And Lord, we just praise you for it in the name of Jesus. And thank you that your word is working mightily in everybody. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Do you believe that? Could you just shut your eyes and sing this little chorus with me real quick? He's Yeah.
Amen.